Well, hi, guys. I am so excited to be with you guys tonight. Um, my name is Sarah. I have been on staff with Crew for, oh gosh, like seven, seven and a half years now. So, um, And I'm excited to be here with you guys tonight and to talk to you about uh, Paul, who is the last person in our Second Chances story, or our Second Chances series. So before I get into that, though, I feel like there's a few things you need to know about me. And one of them is I've just always been really bad at sports, always. And um, if you've heard me speak before, you've actually probably heard me talk about that. But throughout middle school, I tried lots of different sports. I tried volleyball. I tried track. I tried basketball. And with each sport I tried, I quickly realized, yeah, you suck at this too. It's really bad. And I remember being particularly bad at volleyball. And it really didn't improve much over the year that I played volleyball in middle school. And at one particular game, the opposing team's uh, server had this really strong and incredibly accurate serve. And she legitimately hit me in the face three times in a row with her serve. So not only was I really bad at volleyball, I also wasn't quick enough to get out of the way. Just really unathletic. Um, I wasn't put into many games, and when I was, I always thought, oh, coach, you've made a huge mistake. I have no idea what I'm doing out there. And my coach was really unable to help me much, and I sat most of that year on the bench. So years later, after leaving all of my athletic ambitions behind, um, I was a junior in high school. And I started learning more about who Jesus was and how I could have a relationship with him. But, you know, I found myself wondering if God maybe wasn't a little bit more like my coach. Um, unable to really change me and really slow to want to use me. I wondered if, since God knew all the things I had done, if he was just displeased with me and had no interest in me. And maybe some of you can relate. Maybe you've wondered if God could really change you or transform your life. Perhaps you doubt God's ability to use you in ministry, or you fear that you've done too much wrong or don't know enough for God to use you. You know, when we're reminded of our past failure in sin, we're often tempted to believe that we cannot or will not be used by God. So tonight we're going to wrap up our Second Chances series, like I said, and we're going to take a look at Paul's story. Now, it's worth noting that Paul's story is actually mentioned three different times in the book of Acts. Once as Luke recounts his story, and twice more as Paul tells his own story. And you have to wonder, why in a book that really isn't all that long, would the author give room for three different retellings of the same story? And, you know, I think it's because Paul's story, it's significant, he is by far the most influential theologian of the Christian faith. He wrote 13 books of our New Testament. He had an immeasurable impact on the spread of the gospel for 2,000 years. How Paul came to know Jesus and started following him, that's important for us to know. Now, one more thing I wanted to mention. Um, I'm going to be referring to the person that our passage is about as Paul, but our passage refers to him as Saul. Now, it's actually a popular but untrue understanding that Paul's name was or Saul's name was changed to Paul after his meeting with Jesus on the Damascus Road. And despite what some of you may have learned in Sunday school, this man was still known as Saul long after he met Jesus. 
The simple truth is just that Saul is his Hebrew name and Paul is his Greek name. So for the sake of just simplification, I'm just going to call him Paul tonight because that's the name that he's just most commonly referred to by. The particular passage that we're going to look at tonight is Paul's own retelling of his story before King Agrippa while he was on trial. Now I'm going to pray and then we're going to go ahead and look at Acts 26 verses 9 through 23. Lord, we thank you for your word. Um, We pray that as we look at Paul's story tonight, would you help us to understand more of who you are? Would you help us to see your grace, see what you can do in someone's life? Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that we would apply it well to our lives. That's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so in Acts 26, 9 through 23, this is Paul speaking. He says, I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priest, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison. And I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. So here we see Paul. He's painting a picture of his past. He was a well-known persecutor of those who claimed to follow Jesus. You see, he thought he was doing what was right, but he was beating them, putting them into prison, and allowing their execution. He even includes the fact that he would sometimes travel to other countries just to persecute people who were following Christ. I think it's worth noting that Paul was just, he wasn't just a nobody either. He had had educational advantages. He was part of this elite group of people that had authority and power. He was using that authority and power um, to persecute people that follow Jesus. Let's go ahead and keep reading. One day, I was on such a mission to Damascus, armed with the authority and commission of the leading priests. About noon, your majesty, as I was on the road, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, Why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Paul explains that he was actually on his way to Damascus with a plan to make life difficult for the Christians that he would find there. He was actually going to Damascus so that he could find Christians, remove them from their communities, and throw them in jail back in Jerusalem. But everything changed for him. He and the men that were with him fall to the ground as this bright light surrounds them. 
Then Paul hears Jesus speaking to him. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul says, who are you? And the voice responds, I am Jesus. And then gives Paul instructions about how he's going to be someone who tells others about him. Now, I've learned from other passages in the Bible um, that recount this story that Paul's actually struck blind um, by this experience, and he doesn't regain his sight until he meets someone for further instruction when he gets to Damascus. Let's keep reading in verse 19. And so, King Agrippa, I obeyed that vision from heaven. I preached first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that all must repent of their sins and turn to God, and prove they have changed by the good things they do. Some Jews arrested me in the temple for preaching this, and they tried to kill me. But God has protected me right up to this present time, so I can testify to everyone, from the least to the greatest. I teach nothing except what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead, and in this way announce God's light to Jews and Gentiles alike. Paul then tells King Agrippa that all he did next was obey Jesus. First, he told people what had happened to him in Damascus. And I found earlier in the book of Acts that when Paul starts telling people what happened to him, people are in Damascus are like, I mean, isn't this the guy that was like persecuting all the Christians? Like, right, he's the one that everyone's heard about who beats and imprisons those that follow Jesus, and now he's telling us to follow Jesus? What happened? Paul doesn't stop in Damascus. He goes to Jerusalem to share the news, and then throughout the entire region of Judea. And then he continues on throughout the ancient Roman world, telling people about who Jesus is and how he met him on the road to Damascus. You see, Paul's life before and after meeting Jesus was well known by hundreds, maybe thousands. His transformation from persecutor to Christ's follower was widely known and undeniable. Paul's encounter with Jesus, it changed him forever. He could no longer live for the things that he used to live for. His meeting with the risen Jesus changed everything for the rest of his life. You know, but maybe you're hearing Paul's story, and if you're anything like me, you're thinking, why would God transform and use Paul to be this great missionary and teacher? Paul, who was self-righteous and proud. Paul, who used his authority to persecute and victimize Christians. Why does God say, him, that's who I'm going to use? You know, I think that we sometimes ask questions like this because if we're really honest, we wonder if God can use us. We think about our lives, it's difficult to ignore our brokenness and our sin. We remember things about our past or we think about the things we've done just today and we say, nope, God isn't going to use me. God isn't going to choose me. God won't be able to forgive me. But that's not what we see in Paul's story. Instead, we see him transform one of the most unexpected people into his chosen ambassador. Now, there are plenty of things about Paul's story that are specific to him. I don't personally know anyone that when they came to 
be a Christian were struck blind and audibly heard Jesus' voice. And Paul also has this unique privilege of being one of Christ's apostles, um, where he wrote a significant portion of the New Testament and planted churches throughout much of the ancient Roman world. But there are many ways in which Paul's story is not unique. And that's what I'd like to talk to you guys about tonight. You see, Jesus Christ forgives, changes, and uses broken and sinful people like you and like me. So one of the first things that I notice about Paul's story is how Jesus forgives broken and sinful people. And if you've been around crew for a while or maybe you grew up in the church or something, you've probably heard that Jesus forgives broken and sinful people. And maybe you even started to tune out when I said that, but, you know, thinking, well, this isn't anything new. Uh, but I think that this statement's pretty profound. In 1 Timothy, Paul describes himself as a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent. And Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus and forgives him. I actually think it can be difficult to believe that Jesus is able to forgive us of our sins because that's just not how we treat people. We have trouble forgiving people when they wrong us. Sometimes if people hurt us really bad, we refuse to forgive them. Or maybe we say we forgive them, but then we act like icy and cold towards them. Or we throw it back in their faces what they've done to us during the next conflict. In fact, I would guess that most of you can probably think of someone in your life that has significantly wronged you in some way and that either you didn't forgive or you at least had a difficult time extending forgiveness to. Many of us have a really hard time believing that God forgive, could forgive all of our sin and failures because this just isn't how we've been treated or even how we treat others. But Paul's story is a great example of how there is no one that is too far gone or has done too much for Jesus to forgive. The second thing that I notice about Paul's story is that Jesus changes broken and sinful people. And we see this throughout Jesus' interactions with people in the New Testament. I've seen this in the lives of friends and family members, and this has been my own story too. You know, I really learned about Jesus and what he did when I was about 17. Some of my Christian friends persuaded me to go on this white wa whitewater rafting trip in West Virginia, and I knew that there was going to be, like, a lot of Bible study and reading and stuff, but I was like, it's whitewater rafting, I'll go. Um, and I had had questions about who God was and kind of how he works for a while, but I didn't want to ask my friends because I was mainly just afraid I'd look stupid. And so on this trip, I learned a lot about God's holiness and Christ's sacrifice and my own sin, but I still had a few questions. And I was up late one night talking with my friend Kirsten, and we weren't really talking about spiritual things, but it, my questions were nagging on me, and I knew that she knew a lot about the Bible, and she talked really passionately about her own relationship with God, and so I thought I'd ask her. And I remember saying, you know, there's just one thing that I don't get. I understood that I was sinful. Like, I was far from perfect. I lied to my parents. I cheated in school. I still had an inappropriate relationship with a boyfriend. And, like, I, I didn't know what God's standards were, but I, like, was confident that I was not meeting them. Um, so I said to Kirsten, I know that God is perfect and holy, and our sin separates us from him. And I've heard you guys say that there's grace for our sin, but I still have a question. When I die, 
and I go to stand before God, like go to be judged by him, what's really going to happen? What's, really, what's he really going to say to me? And my friend Kirsten said, well, that all depends. And I was like, on what? What does that depend on? And she said, you know, it depends on if you're trusting in Jesus to pay for your sin. If you've admitted to God that you're sinful and you've asked Jesus to forgive you, when you die, you'll go to heaven and be with God forever. This seemed too good to be true, to be honest. And so I asked her, like, for everything? Like, God's not going to forgive me for some things, but then say that other things are unforgivable or can't be, can't be forgiven. And she said, you know, if Jesus has paid the price for your sin, God's not going to make you pay for something that's already been paid for. God used that conversation to completely change my life. Before talking to my friend, I just assumed that Christianity was about doing the right thing and being a good person, and I thought that going to church meant showing off my best behavior. I had no idea that being a Christian or following Jesus actually involved recognizing that we're all messed up and that there was actually nothing we could do to make ourselves right with God. When I learned that I didn't have to work to try to make God accept me, but that he accepts me because of what Jesus had already done for me, that changed everything for me. It changed my life. It changed how I saw myself. It changed how I saw God. It changed how I saw what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, how I wanted to live my life. Now, my life didn't look all that different on the outside right away, especially at the beginning of my relationship with God. It was a slow process of my outward life reflecting the inward change that had taken place in my heart. But at no point in the 12 years that I've been a Christian have I stopped being a sinner or needing Jesus' forgiveness either. Um, But I can confidently say that I am a different person than that 17-year-old girl. And it's not because I've been trying to get my life together since. It's just because learning about Jesus changed and continues to change how I see everything. You know, Paul encountered Jesus, and it changed him. It changed how he lived the rest of his life. The same thing happened to me. It's because that's what Jesus does. He changes broken and sinful people. Finally, the third thing that I notice about Paul's story is that Jesus also uses broken and sinful people. After Paul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, God uses him in the lives of countless people. Paul starts telling people the story of what happened to him on the road to Damascus, how Jesus changed his life, and how others can be changed by Jesus as well. Like I said, Paul went on to write 13 books of our New Testament. He planted churches throughout the ancient Roman world, and he actually taught and trained those that would carry on the mission after him. But I think that it can be difficult for us to believe that God really uses broken and sinful people in significant ways for his kingdom. That God can use us despite of our failure and our sin. That God can use us despite the fact that We're ashamed of the things that we've done. But what I see in Paul's story, it's not God using him despite his hideous past. Instead, I see God using Paul and displaying his power and grace through the fact that he changed Paul's life. Paul doesn't hide away from his past life and pretend like that's not who he was. 
He doesn't say, how could God ever use me after all the horrible things I've done? Instead, in 1 Timothy, he says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. You know, Jesus, he wants to use you. He wants to use you um, to be part of what he's doing in the world. Your past doesn't discount you from that. In fact, your past displays the grace and power of Jesus because he changed you. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God doesn't choose people because of their accolades or their confidence or their abilities. And I think that that's often how I think God works. Like, oh, she's so this or she's so that. God must want to use her. But actually what we see in the Bible is God using messy and weak people in really significant ways. Paul's story is one of great hope because Jesus took a man who was actually using his power to kill and persecute others and turned him into a man who is now known as the greatest missionary of all time. We see in Paul's story that Jesus forgives broken and sinful people. Jesus changes broken and sinful people. Jesus uses broken and sinful people. So where does that leave us? Where does that leave you guys? Well, if you're here tonight and you don't consider yourself a Christian, um, I'm so glad that you're here. And I hope that you hear Paul's story as good news. We are all in need of forgiveness, and Jesus, through his perfect life and sacrificial death, offers forgiveness to us. John 1.12 says that all you have to do is believe and receive his free gift of forgiveness. Maybe you're here tonight and you consider yourself a Christian, but you have a really hard time believing that God can change you or that he would ever want to use you. And I hope that you hear Paul's story and consider it good news as well. This is what Jesus does. He takes people like Paul and changes their lives and uses their stories in profound ways for the advancement of his kingdom. He can absolutely change you and use you as well. So I want to close tonight with one of my favorite life change stories from the Bible. Just like Paul, Jesus meets this person, changes her life, and uses her in a significant way. We're going to look at John 4, and I'm going to start reading in verse 7. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? 
How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke truth. I'm going to skip down to verse 25 and keep reading. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Jesus goes and he speaks to a woman that's drawing water from a well. She's there in the heat of the day, which just gives us this small glimpse into her life. That she doesn't want other people around while she's out in public. She doesn't want to be seen. She's a social outcast. We learn that she has had many husbands and lives with a man that is not her husband, and this would have been particularly scandalous within her culture. She lives in shame. She doesn't know why Jesus, a Jewish man, would be willing to speak to her, a Samaritan woman. Not only did Jews hate Samaritans, but respectable men did not speak to women like her in public. But she meets Jesus. She realizes that he must be the Messiah, the one who could extend forgiveness to her. And this changes everything for the Samaritan woman. Jesus forgives this woman. Jesus changes this woman. And finally, Jesus uses this woman. In John 4:39, we read, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I did. I love this story because Jesus, he changes this woman's life so much so that she's willing to go to the people that despise her in order to tell them about this man Jesus who she just met. Jesus uses her to share the good news with an entire community of people. It's amazing. But it's exactly what he did in Paul's life as well. So I'd like for us um, to take a little bit of time to consider how this story, how Paul's story, how it relates to us. I have a few questions that will be up on the screen, and I want you guys to take just a couple minutes to think about how you would answer those questions. You can feel free to turn to someone next to you and talk about what you think, and I'll come back up here in a couple minutes um, to pray for us.
hope you guys can continue your conversations after crew, but I'm going to pray for us. Um, Lord, thank you for your word that shows us what you can do in someone's life through people like Paul, through people like the woman at the well, through all of these different stories of changed lives and second chances that we've gotten the chance to look at over the last four weeks. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see you for who you are, a God that is willing to forgive us, change us, and use us in significant ways. Lord, I pray that we would be willing to be used by you, that we would be willing to be changed by you. God, I pray that you would help us to remember your word throughout this coming week, that we might be reminded of Paul's story um, and how it how it impacts our life. We can believe that you'd be able to do that in our life as well. God, we thank you for who you are. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.